Here we go with another installment of Coffee at the Cottage. Scott here. We're sitting uh, by the by the lake in the beautiful cottage uh, that Emily allows us to record the podcast at. And oh, oh boy, you know, at the time of this recording, there's still snow on the ground and whatnot. But soon, soon we'll be able to look out at the beautiful lake again, won't we? We will, and I can't wait to go and start recording out there again on the porch. Um, thank you, Scott. Mm. And I know, by the way, the guest you have, you this is a return guest. Yes. That, uh, speaking of being outside uh, and on the patio, last time he was here, you were outside on the patio. Only a few months ago, but a lot changes over the course of a few months, and there's new information, and there's new things to talk about. So I'll turn it over to you and... Uh, get a chance to to talk to one of the area's representatives. Well, today I have Assemblyman Clint Moses. Um, I'm very honored to have him here. I know that he is so busy that to have him agree to come again is, you know, very, very nice, very honorable. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've been up to? Well, I'm hoping by the time this airs that we will have green grass out there. So hopefully within a week we get some uh, rain or something this weekend and uh, uh, snow does not come through that's in the forecast and we get some uh, green grass to mow. Only so, 8 to 10 inches of snow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Beauty is this time of year it won't last long. But, that's true. Um, yeah, that part of it, it is nice to come home on dry roads. So that's probably one of the bigger challenges of you know the six-hour round trip to Madison every week. Um, we're down there. I came back actually late last night to be here for this. And then also we have a big event at UW Stout today with the Board of Regents in town. So I'm in Menominee today. Always good to be home uh, day early, but it's definitely still a working day. But in the capital, there's a lot going on right now. Things are finally gearing up, I would say. I, I thought things would be moving a little quicker back in January or February. But uh, the nature of kind of the outcome of the fall election with uh, Governor Evers returning, well, it's kind of a reset at this point. So right now we're really actively trying to come up with bills that are a little bit more bipartisan than maybe last session. That's very <laughs> refreshing to hear. <laughs> well, and it, it's kind of uh, senseless at this point to put out thousands and thousands of bills that we know are not going to cross the finish line, that are not going to uh, be signed by the governor and essentially be vetoed. So we are working on bills that hopefully have a little bit more consensus to it. Not to say that, you know, we're in agreement on everything at all. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yesterday, actually, I had a brief chance to talk to Governor Evers uh, in the lobby at the hotel because... Uh, Chippewa Valley Rally was down yesterday, oh. so the chambers from Eau Claire, Chippewa Falls, and of course, uh, the best part of it, Menominee, was yep, down there. Ashley. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, so the governor had spoke to the group before. We had a nice group, actually. I think there's about 80 to maybe as many as 90 people down there this oh year my. for it. So that was quite different as well, because uh, I was elected in 2020, and with the pandemic, we didn't have those things. It was Ooh, zoom yeah. in and zoom out yep, uh, virtual yep. stuff. So it was really neat to see people from our area come down and advocate for the Chippewa Valley and like I said, Governor Evers had finished up spoken, uh, speaking, and then we had a panel of local legislators, myself, uh, Jesse James, Senator James from the Altoona area, um, Senator Jeff Smith from a little bit mm -hmm. south of here in Eau Claire, and then uh, Rep. Jody Emerson, Representative Warren Petrick, and myself and Rep. Summerfield, who's my neighbor here to sure. be from Bloomer. So yeah, it was a good time. And 
Governor Evers was in a good mood and smiling and actually shook our hand and talked to us for a little bit. So you know, that that's nice. interesting because I did meet him at City Hall one day, and I was a little, I didn't know what to expect, and he was just the nicest man, <laughs> you know. Um, and, uh, you know, so that made me feel pretty good. Um, so... I know that you are on several committees, I think six. How do you work your way? How do you get chosen for those committees? Well, when you first come in as a freshman, a lot of it depends on outgoing members and what spots are available, essentially. Uh, so timing is a bit of a factor. Certainly, you can ask for, and many of us do ask for things that are int we're interested in or we have a strong area of expertise. Myself, for instance, I've been in healthcare as a chiropractor for over 20 years. Um, also small business owner, mm -hmm. so I'm interested in those topics. Also father of four daughters that are in school, one's uh, finally at UW-River Falls, uh, out of the house, mostly out of the house, but she still comes back a lot and does her laundry. There but you that's go. That's a whole other topic, so I had to buy a new washer and dryer a couple weeks ago because she's still heavily using it. But, um, yeah, so you ask what committees you want to be on, and then leadership, which is essentially the speaker and the majority leader and the speaker pro tem. So in this case, everyone knows Speaker Voss across the state. Uh, he's been our speaker for 12 years. At the end of the session, it'll be 14 years. So probably the most recognized representative in the state of Wisconsin. We ask for what committees we want to be on. I got all my picks last time. I had actually selected, I think I had seven or eight choices, and I got my top five. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So you must be pretty good if they gave those to you. <laughs> I guess. And, they, and, you know, it's funny. They asked me to come back to the same ones. None of the chairmen said, hey, we don't want that Moses on there anymore. So well, that's, that was good. That's pretty flattering, <laughs> isn't it? Um, I want to talk to you about the political polarization going on and it's not only state level it's throughout the whole country and I I know for one I am disgusted with it um, I why hmm, what happened to create the division 20 years ago or whenever it was you know, I think it's been a slow progression. Obviously, the last 10 years, it's really ramped up. I'd mm -hmm. say certainly the last two or three with the pandemic. A good example with COVID and the pandemic was there was issues that were made very polar and very partisan that should not have been. Okay. Um, for instance, example. Yeah. well, for instance, it was assumed, you know, if you were wearing a mask or certainly if you were in two masks, you were probably flaming left liberal. And if you were out in public in a grocery store with a American flag bandana, not on your mouth, but over your head, you were probably a Republican. <laughs> so, I mean, and I saw it even in my own personal business in my sure, office, you sure. know, obviously we played it very careful. And if I saw a customer of mine was wearing a mask or my wife, who's also a chiropractor, saw a customer wearing a mask, we put a mask on when we were in the sure. treatment room. You know, dentists have done that because they're in close proximity for years. And I totally get it. But it's very much assumed, and I, I represent, you know, and in my business anyway, I have people of all different political backgrounds Absolutely. that still come in, even right. though I do have an R after my name. Yep, yep. You know, they, you know, appreciate and respect the fact I'm still going to try and do the best I can for them, regardless Absolutely. if they voted for me or not. But in the waiting room, it was interesting to see because you would see people that would come in wearing a mask, and then when they went in the room, they would take it off. So if some of it's I don't know if it was for actual safety or just for uh, messaging or uh, uh, as they 
say basically just making a statement out there of you know their beliefs and stuff um but yeah it it became very very political issue and not so much a public health issue uh and it should not have been i think things would have happened much quicker and improved i should say much quicker had it not been so political right Right. And I, you know, this is, I probably shouldn't say this, but it's my opinion and I don't hold back much, but. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) But I, I, you know, I am not a fan of Fauci, Dr. Fauci. And I think that him continuously being on TV, poking it, poking it, poking it, um, you know, and he got paid a lot of money for doing that. Oh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that became like, I think, I obviously feel that was a very partisan move on his mm-hmm. part. And that's a problem with a lot of these appointments that are out there, and not just at the uh, federal level, but we see at the state level too. You know, Fauci obviously appointed by the current administration. We have the same thing. Governor Evers appoints people. Now, I will say, full disclosure, um, Governor Evers has appointed some actually pretty good qualified people. And good. same with the previous administration. Governor Walker appointed some very good qualified people. But then you also have what are called kind of placeholders where they try and find a job for their buddy or maybe someone loses an election sure. or retires and all of a sudden you're the commissioner of the railroad or something like right. that and that right. type of thing. And that happens, you know, but I always figure, and I hope, you know, the governor figures this way, you hire really qualified people because they'll make you look good. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you <know>? Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, obviously my position, you know, and I don't know if you'll get to the committees and stuff later, but I'm chair of the health, aging, and long-term care. So part of my responsibility is to oversee everything that comes through DHS, Department of Health Services. So right now we have an interim director of that or a deputy director that was promoted to interim. And so far she's doing a good job as good. far as I can see. But, you know, as of last week, there was there's what's called clearinghouse rules. So the agencies will... Uh, make maybe smaller, typically they're smaller administrative changes. So far this session, there's been close to 40 clearinghouse rules. Of those 40, 21 of them have been appointed or assigned to my committee, the health committee. So I'm very busy. My research assistant is very busy looking into what those mean because a lot of times they're legalese. They might be as short as like a paragraph, but many of them are like 10 to 15 pages long. Wow. So... It's a good thing you have a good assistant. It is. <laughs> it pays to go to have surround yourself with good That's help right. and help them grow. So That's she right. and she has grown in that position because um, MJ, who works in my office, actually was a hire when I first got down there and was a very good pick. So you know, I don't know if voters feel this generally speaking, but to to s- stoke the fire, so to speak, so to speak. I am so turned off about the nasty ads. Um, you know, there's a, a election coming up, and I couldn't possibly vote for one of the candidates because of how nasty her ads are. I mean, it's like, I just want to know what these people stand for. I don't want to listen to them throwing mud at their opponent. That tells me nothing. Uh-huh. It just tells me that maybe they're desperate to get elected. I don't know. Yeah, and it's really unfortunate. We've seen that trend obviously get worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even seen it my own local election uh, the first time around. Really? But 
You know, and I, I don't excuse it, obviously, but I think a lot of times the candidate loses control of the messaging and what's put out, and you have these big outside groups that are paying for it. I mean, it is probably going to be a s- historic level of spending on this state wow. Supreme Court race between the two sides combined. And there's all kinds of outside interest groups, obviously pro-choice, pro-life organizations oh, sure, that are kicking sure. in big money because that is at the top of the issues. But there's a lot of issues on the line with this election. So that brings to me to my next subject, abortion. Now, I think the way Wisconsin stands right now is there's no abortion that's legal. Um, I think that's pretty extreme in my opinion, but I also think Minnesota is to the other extreme. You know, um, I would like to see something happen. Hmm. Somewhere along the line. I mean, if it's incest, rape, whatever, I think it should be legal. I also, you know, these are just my beliefs. I also think um, it should be legal three, four months. Um, After that, it's murder. Um, That's just my opinion. But do you think it'll ever get anywhere? You know what's interesting is that Emily, full disclosure, and I did not talk about this issue before, but I knew it was going to be coming up yes. because it's what everyone's talking about. Right. And your beliefs or your views are yes. the majority of what I'm hearing. From. Really? It doesn't matter if the person is a Democrat or Republican. Of course, we have the fringe far on either side of either it that side. are yep. absolutely no way, no negotiation back and forth. But, you know, part of my job is to listen to constituents. And obviously, I talk to a lot of people. I also look at statewide polling numbers. We have polling numbers by congressional district Mm -hmm. on this particular issue. And even the vast majority of people who identify as Republican voters are for some type of exception for rape, incest, life of the mother, with some type of time frame. And that's where people vary the most is, do we allow for up to 10 weeks or do we allow for up to 20 that's probably what's the biggest discussion point within our caucus right now. But we are having those discussions. Um, but, yeah, the current law in the book, you are correct, the 1849 law, obviously it was put into, uh, into statute the year after our state was founded. Wisconsin was founded as a state in 1848. So a lot has changed since then. Society a lot has changed. Has changed. <laughs> you know, I remember years and years and years and years and years ago <laughs> When I knew of people that flew to New York, flew here, whatever. Um, I also worked with someone um, in California. She was much older. And she had told me that she flew to Cuba to have an abortion. Well, you know, it's going to happen. And so why not make it legal? Why not make why not think of the health of the woman? Well, Emily's done all my talking on this one today. But that's pretty good. Cause that's, and that's exactly, you know, the practical standpoint of it. I look at it, you know, we have neighboring states. Minnesota, as you mentioned before, we do not want to end up like Minnesota. No. But if we completely ban it, we are going to have people driving across the border to Illinois, Minnesota, yep. or even worse, do-it-yourself type things, yep. very unsafe situations. Yep, I agree. So, and we're having these discussions. I don't know where at my caucus personally is at. I do have, I'd estimate 10% of our caucus, and there's 64 of us of the 99 that are Republican, and I do talk to Democrats as well, but good, our good. discussions in our caucus, 
you know, there's at least 10% that are for absolutely no exception whatsoever. So wow. they don't want to budget all on it. Yeah. Um, but then also, I'm sure in the Democrat caucus, there's at least 10% that you want full abortion nine yep. months. Yeah. So we need, you know, the average person, and we talked about the partisanship and how bad things have gotten politically with mm-hmm. the nastiness. I do still believe, I'm optimistic, there's a number, the majority of people are in the middle, living their lives, and just more reasonable than that. Right. I think uh, so, know. too. Um, I'd like to talk about um, the legalization of marijuana, too. Um, I think something's happening right now <laughs> as far as medical. Yeah. I, I can talk a lot about it. Actually, a lot of Good. my day yesterday down in Madison was spent talking to different experts, different doctors, and legislators from other states. We've met with uh, legislators from Colorado, mm-hmm. Illinois. Yesterday, I had a doctor from Minnesota who is an ER doctor who is very instrumental in implementing their medical marijuana program. Uh, so what we've been going over is a lot of the good, bad, and the ugly. And a lot of the states start out with very good legislation. California, of all places, I know you've got some ties to California. You won't admit it, but, um, but you know, California, when they first started doing legislation for medical marijuana, they actually went about it decently. It started out okay, but then the slippery slope, it became a mess. And that's what we've seen in a lot of states that have done it. See, what about Colorado? What are they talking about? It seems like that's turning out to be a little bit of a mess. And it is. I was out there last summer um, actually meeting with some legislators on very diverse topics because we were out there for uh, medical marijuana reform and also solar energy. So it was kind of a weird mix, but I was invited out there for that and talked to their minority leader because the Republicans do not have control of the House in Colorado. Sure. So their minority leader went through everything. It's kind of went wrong with them. And a lot of it was early on, they thought it was going to be a tax revenue generator. And you hear that a lot, like it's going to be a tax. Mm-hmm. It, we're going to have all this extra money for roads and schools and law enforcement. And it really did not pan out that way. Mm-hmm. Another good example, like yesterday, I said I met with Minnesota. Minnesota is just now breaking even on their cost for implementing medical marijuana. Now, they try to provide it fairly cheap. It's tax-free. The patient has to pay, I believe it's $200 for a medical marijuana card, a permit essentially. And then they do have a situation, because I asked about for hardship, what about if you've got a Medicaid patient or a a person that's on disability that can't afford the 200? They do have a plan for that, but they make most of the revenue on selling the permit for it. And then they have one undisclosed growing facility that's owned by the state of Minnesota that produces everything. It's an enclosed greenhouse with obviously security and stuff around it. Oh, I bet there's a lot of security. (laughs) And then they have eight dispensaries that are all state-owned, one for each congressional district is how they do it. And that's kind of the direction we're going. I'm in an interesting spot because I'm part of a task force working on the assembly side by Speaker Voss had appointed me to that. And we're having discussions about what direction. So I'm listening to constituents and also Mary Feskowski, who is a senator. Try saying that last name really fast. And, Mary uh, Feskowski. I'm not saying, um, she's saying from it up, slow. <laughs> and she's from up in like the Rhinelander Tomahawk sure. area up in there. She is a very strong influencer in the Senate, and she is working on a bill as well. So we're trying to come together and get something that the Assembly and the Senate can uh, agree on. The other thing, just like a lot of issues, it's going to be probably too little for some people and too much for others because yeah, there's certainly sure. some that are, don't want any, and then there's others that want full-on you know, marijuana in every street corner, basically. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't go that far. I, you know, full disclosure, I've never 
done that, <laughs> you know. But I or really, you didn't heal. Is that what they say? Uh, yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but, you know, I think that rather than making criminals out of people for smoking a joint or whatever, it's kind of crazy. Now, can you lace a, a joint with fentanyl? Oh, I'm glad you brought this up because this is really the thing that teeter-tottered me over the edge on this because I was kind of on the fence before. But, you know, we've had a couple instances of bad drug overdose with young people right here in Menominee. You know, we've had in the last six or eight months two young people that I know of. One of them was close to one of my daughters, actually, laced fentanyl in marijuana. Wow. Um, And this was a good family, overall pretty good kid, so it can happen to anybody. So. Fentanyl is a huge, huge issue. It doesn't take very much for a person to overdose on, very small quantities. And that would be part of the trying to make a safe, state-tested form of medical marijuana. Now, of course, there's still going to be illicit drugs out there. Right. Which, hey, if I was in the federal government, I'd probably be working on closing down the southern border. But I'm not talking between Illinois and Wisconsin. Either, I know, so. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm all about that, too. Um Build the walls. Uh, <laughs> what um, that kind of leads me to Project Hope. Oh, I knew that's where you were going. <laughs> and I believe it started in Menominee. It did. Yeah. And I believe our Mayor Knack and Chief Atkinson um, are instrumental in getting it going and going to different counties and talking about it and everything. Um, Is there any bill being written or anything like that to try and push Project Hope as a state-level program? You must talk to the mayor once in a while or something. But yeah, I'm guessing. <laughs> but yes, uh, it was probably three weeks ago now, but uh, Randy uh, Kanak had reached out to me along with Atkin, uh, Chief Atkinson. Oh. Or I almost got to say a former Chief Atkinson. I know, I point. know, I know. But uh, yes, to look at expanding it statewide. Um, I look at it right now, it's a great pilot program that's starting. It's already proving that it has helped individuals. For those of you that don't know much about Project Hope, basically it's a collaboration with law enforcement, uh, human services, social services, peer advocates uh, to identify people with either addictions or near fatal overdoses Mm -hmm. or people that have been incarcerated primarily with methamphetamine, but also opiates as well. Right. uh, And transitioning them if they do get arrested or have a near death experience Mm -hmm. to a hopefully healthy, successful future. So. Yes, we are looking at that. It's something that would take a bill, basically, to allocate some money, probably from Department of Health and Human Services, which falls right under my committee, um, to expand it statewide. Now, don't you have dollars from the federal government, opium dollars or something? Yep, and that it would probably be a joint effort, like a lot of things. Like uh, yesterday, for instance, another one of my meetings I had was the ADRC, so Aging Disability. Um, that is, and the reason I bring that up, that is funded by joint state and federal dollars. So this type of program would likely, we'd be looking for federal money as well. Mm-hmm. However, you know, the way Dunn County's done it, the way Menominee's done it, it is, in the scheme of things, not a very expensive, costly program compared to some of the things that are out there. So if if this pilot program, what does it take to, to push it to statewide? 
It takes a legislator like myself bringing it forward and getting the attention of my colleagues. And Would then, you do that? Yes. And then we'd have to have people come down for public testimony and that type of stuff to show support for it. And I know it would not be an issue with law enforcement. People, obviously, from human services would be very much on board. Probably family members that even had tragic experiences, I would imagine, would come down. So how long would that take to become a state program? It, the process, this is the biggest frustration. Yep. Me coming from uh, 20 years of self-employment and uh, know, owning my I own know. business. And when I need to make a decision, I ask my wife what we should do. And then we just move on pretty much. Yep. But state government moves very, very slow. Sure. The good thing on this particular issue is this is one of those, I believe, bipartisan issues that mm. Governor Evers would be on board with. Wow. You know, the biggest thing would be selling the cost benefit to probably colleagues on the more conservative side of the aisle, which is an easy one to sell in this case, because you look at the cost to just let things go the way they've gone recent years. Uh, County like Dunn County with huge meth epidemics, the whole Northwest, honestly, it's a very big issue up in this part of the state and the cost on society, not only just the tragedy that occurs with it. I agree. Um, it's my understanding that the um, Dunn County Human Services has even allocated some dollars to Project Hope because they see the effects already. Yep. So if that's the case, I can't imagine why the state wouldn't want something like that. Yep. And there again, in the long run, it'd be actually quite a bit cheaper, you know, obviously to deal with the problem up front more preventatively yes. than allow it to go on. But And I, I know we're probably getting up against a little bit of time, but the process, here's how it basically works. Someone okay. comes to me with a problem, like, uh, you know, in this case, you or our mayor mm-hmm. would say, okay, I want to expand this. Then we start working on ideas, how we can do it. And obviously, in this case, the program's already set up, so we just need to duplicate it and spread it statewide. Then I go to drafting the legislative reference bureau to draft a bill. And usually it bounces back and forth. We'll get a few bill drafts, make some corrections and changes. Once it is okay to release for co-sponsorship, I send it out to colleagues. Entire Democrat, Republican, House, and Senate as well. That usually goes out for a week, maybe two weeks for co-sponsorship. Then it comes back, gets referred to a committee. In this case, it would either go to probably mental health, substance abuse, or health for committees. The chairman uh, then decides to hold a hearing on it. Once the hearing is held, we send out public notice and invite people to come and speak on behalf in support of it. Hopefully no one comes to speak against it. (laughs) Then shortly thereafter, the chairman of that committee would have an exec committee. They voted out of exec. Then it gets put on the floor by uh, essentially leadership gets to decide, but the speaker in this case would put that on the floor, I believe. And then we vote on it for full assembly. Once it votes in the uh, assembly and Senate, it gets referred to the governor for either a signature or veto. So, so are we talking kind of a long, uh, short We're talking six months or? Yeah, some of them you can fast track quicker than that. I mean, some, if it's something we really need to get done or catastrophic, like something comes across that we need to respond quickly, I would say we could get it done in a month. Hey, I'm challenging yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm on the record for That's that. Right. So, yeah, but. Uh, we'll be talking um, <laughs> April 30th. <That's> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you have to say to your constituents in this area? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's just always so busy. I will tell you, I enjoy being back in the district and talking to people, obviously going to a lot of events. If constituents have concerns, issues, obviously this time of year roads are a big issue because I think our potholes are the worst they've ever been this year. You had issues, reach out to my office, talk to me. You know, don't uh, complain or gripe about something. 
just give me a call. Uh, you know, even if I disagree with you, I definitely want to hear from you. I want to talk to you, see what it is we can do to fix it. If you've got events, fun things in the community that you'd like me to come to, I want to know about it. It gives me an excuse to get out of Madison and be closer to home. So I want to be back here doing what I can. Like I said, I'm back in town today, not just for Emily's podcast, but also the Board of Regents <laughs> is in town. So, yeah. But priorities are priorities. Um, there is an event that I'd like to invite you to. It's July 22nd. Let's paint the town. Um, it's a community event. We're making, it's go- growing every year. This is our third year. We were able to get Quick Trip to sponsor Chris Cruzy. <laughs> yeah. That's and cool. so he's going to be playing. There's a big car show. There's flea market, um, arts and crafts, uh, wood carving. There's, um, uh, tons of stuff. It's so much for the kids and families. There's no alcohol unless you want to go over on Main Street. Then you can support the businesses downtown. So where is this located, Emily? Is it all going to be right on Main, like no. by Mabel Tanner? Or is it? No, 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 no. It's going to be from uh, 3rd Street on Wilson Avenue all the way up to Wilson Park. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. and all the parking lots, Olson Funeral Home, has allowed us to use their parking lot that day as well. Um, it's a food court. It's going. It's going to be amazing this year. And the it's date is again July twenty second from ten o'clock to five. The good thing is we should be done with the state budget by then. I'm hoping we're voting on that the week before the fourth of July. So fabulous, <laughs> yes. And it starts out in the band shell with um, Ludington Guard Band. You know, we have entertainment. There's playground stuff for kids. Um, one of the churches, Cedar Brook Church, is donating that. Um, it's going to be amazing. It's great for families, adults, anyone that wants to attend. And it's even better because it's not campaign season this year. Good. <laughs> you can enjoy yourself. I <laughs> well, I want to thank you for yep. being here. It's um it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. We always run out of time so quickly. We do. We do. <laughs> Till next time. Yep. Thank you.